Fear no one. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. So do not be afraid. Now, what does Jesus mean by that? It would help to put our reading from the 10th chapter of Matthew's Gospel in context. In that chapter, Jesus had selected his 12 disciples, and he sent them out to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, chapter 10, verse 7, warning them, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves, so be as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. Beware of men. For they will deliver you up to councils and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear testimony before them and the Gentiles. Chapter 10, verse 16. He also said, Do not think that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Jesus is as upfront as possible. He will be a divisive figure because he will not conform to the world's political, social, and religious agendas. And the world will try to destroy him for it and anyone who follows him. It is within this context, the cost of discipleship, that Jesus tells us Fear no one. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. And simply, do not be afraid. But is that really possible? On our own? No. By grace? Yes. As God... Jesus knows the weaknesses of all his disciples, including yours and mine. Jesus knew, for example, that Judas would betray him and then commit suicide. He knew Peter would deny him three times, but would later weep bitterly and repent. He knew that James and John would plot and scheme for positions of honor in the kingdom of heaven. And they even got their mother to do the dirty work for them by intervening with Jesus. Jesus knew how fragile his disciples were and he knows how fragile we are. He also knew that the only antidote to our frailty as disciples would be in his death resurrection, and ascension into heaven. Now, will those mysteries take away our fears? No. But as they did with the apostles, so they do for us. They empower us to rise above our fears and persevere in following him, despite the world's anger toward us. My father and my grandfather always told me, there is no shame in a man being afraid. The shame comes when a man allows his fear to stop him from doing what he knows is the right thing to do. 
And I recall a situation when I was a child when my father had to live that out. At the time, he was a flight engineer for a major airline. I don't even think they have that position in modern-day airline cockpits anymore. He made his usual inspection of the engine sometime before takeoff. He discovered some irregularities, and he grounded the plane, which was his right to do. Well, the pilot was furious. The passengers were furious. The company was furious. And all kinds of pressure were placed on my dad, but he stood his ground. A detailed inspection of the engine proved him right. That flight could have ended in disaster had it proceeded. And I remember my dad telling me that he was very afraid because he knew he could have been fired and he would have been blackballed from ever working for any airline if he didn't change his mind, and he was afraid of the impact that would have on supporting the family. It was, however, a moment of grace. Despite his fear, he did the right thing. I knew a man who worked at an oil field. It was an all-male environment, and not surprisingly, as often happens, things tended to get a little on the raunchy side. In a building that was kind of reserved for meals and rest breaks, there were all kinds of porno magazines. And the man, a Catholic, wanted to gather them up and throw them out, but he knew he'd get his head handed to him. So he chose a different path. Fearlessness does not mean being stupid. He knew a few other guys who believed, as he did, that real men don't need porn, and suggested that they start a Bible study during their breaks. And they did. It was a moment of grace. The little group got a lot of ribbing and even some angry responses, but they didn't back down. And slowly the atmosphere began to change. The language cleaned up a bit. Much of the porn is removed or put somewhere else and even some other guys joined the Bible study. I heard a story about a woman who, I guess, was as quiet and as invisible as a church mouse. And one day, she heard a couple of women talking about abortion in a very loud and exuberant voices, affirming the world's doctrine that a woman's right to exercise her reproductive rights includes destroying a child in the womb. Now, this particular woman, apparently very uncharacteristically for her, summoned the courage to approach the two and calmly but insightfully disagreed with them. They were offended, but she persevered. She did not win them over, but that was not her goal. She wanted and managed to express an opposing position and do so with respect. She was afraid, but did not permit her fear to stop her from doing what she knew she had to do, speak up against evil. Every one of us 
who claims to be a disciple of Jesus, whatever church one belongs to, has one unassailable reality to deal with and two guaranteed gifts. The unassailable reality? The world will use every possible means it can to crush us or at the very least to render us silent in the presence of evil. And when we are silent in the presence of evil, do not doubt for a moment, it is a sin. Some people want to say, well, I want to be polite. It's a polite sin, but a sin nonetheless. All evil requires of us is our silence. Because the silence of a disciple of Jesus always is interpreted as giving consent to the evil. Now, the first gift. The disciple always has the assurance of the Lord's presence available to him or her at all times and under all circumstances. It may not feel that way, but one must never confuse feelings with truth. Fear's advantage is that it can manipulate our feelings to make us think we are alone and therefore vulnerable. Faith's advantage is to assure us that despite our feelings, we are not alone. The second gift, Jesus gives us his strength to overcome our fears and to do what we know we must despite the world's opposition. Whether we use the gifts of Jesus being present to us and giving us his strength, however, is entirely up to us. It's our responsibility. <laughs>